0: Welcome, everyone, to a Mexican and a Redneck and a Redneck's Grandfather, Father of the World. We are your hosts and surrogate fathers, Juan and Ben, with a special guest, Dr. Tom Heath. Or, if you're me and my cousins, Papaw. Yeah. <laughs> the title of this episode will be Dr. Papaw, <laughs> because he's my Papaw. But don't run up to him and call him that, because I've earned this privilege and you haven't. <laughs> so thank you for being here. I've already programmed myself to call him that no no stop it <laughs> we're either gonna oh. see a podcast or a fight he's my pepal <laughs> i don't have a all. oh he could be your pepal okay, okay. <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll share <laughs> honorary pepaw title well, given it's it's, it's
1: it's funny i say that because like with my uh with uh my kids they refer to their grandparents from their mom's side if call us a and me mommy but then from my, my parents, they refer to them as Abuelito and Abuelita. <laughs> so it's like, and, it, and it's cute, you know, because like my kids will be like, Abuelito, Abuelito, Abuelita. And they're like, yeah, so it's, 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 but I've never had a papa or mama because there always been Abuelito or Abuelita.
0: Makes sense. Yeah, makes sense, right? You got, you got one now. <laughs> <laughs> so we're, we're, we're excited to have you here. Um, and for this first episode with you, we want to discuss your childhood. Because, you've you've uh, you've had one, yeah, <laughs> and uh, and you were born on October twenty third, nineteen thirty eight, in Tulsa, Oklahoma, correct? And uh, we just want to know. We just want you to describe your childhood. You know, help us understand maybe how times were different, and uh, and just tell us your story because mm. I, I think you're a, a fascinating person, and I would love for other people to to hear and see what I see. Well. Well, I was, as you said,
2: born in Tulsa, born at a very early age, and, <laughs> and so I, I just, uh, but I, I had a, uh, my parents separated when I was about three, past three, almost four, I guess, and um, so my childhood was kind of varied, had a privilege to um Live with my mom for a while, and then I live with my dad. And and that was a unique thing in that the decree, I have their divorce decree in my papers. The decree said I was supposed to live with my mom. But my mom was not a Christian at the time. And so my dad was, and they had me live with my dad. And at that point, a few years later, Uh, I came to know Christ as my Savior. Mm -hmm. And I think I moved with my dad when I was five. And so it was a year later, I I came to know Christ. And it was a real conversion. It was a thing where I knew I was lost and going to a devil's hell. I knew that if I died without Christ, my soul would spend eternity in hell. Mm. And that had to change and
1: so one day it did change i accepted christ as my savior but before you before you even uh, came to that decision as far as like knowing knowing christ like how did you how did you know you, uh, what made you realize oh, i'm going, I'm destined for hell and then to a second question that i have um you mentioned that you, your parents got divorced in that time because you were born in 19 1938 Uh, unfortunately now divorce is a very common thing it's common yes Uh, was it a common thing back no
2: back then it was rare Mm. and it was rare for a child to be raised children are raised the way i was raised they're raised that way today uh they're raised without any real bonds to parents uh to dad in in particular or Sometimes to a mom because of the fact that uh, so few people today really know Christ as their Savior. Mm -hmm. So few people today have ever been born again. There's a lot of people say, well, I'm not a Muslim. I'm not a Jew, so I must be a Christian. Well, that ain't the way it flies. Mm -hmm. Uh, The truth of the matter is we come back to the thing where The individual must know Christ as their Savior. The individual must repent unto God of their sins Mm -hmm. and ask God to forgive them. Now, somebody asked me one time, I said, what could a, I was uh, well past six, but what could a six-year-old be guilty of? Mm -hmm. Well, the truth of the matter is, I was born lost. Everybody's born lost. Everybody's born lost and undone. All have sinned to come short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, no, not one. So I was made aware. But you understand, before I was six years old, my life was full of trauma. My earliest memory of my mom and dad is both of them bleeding from fighting each other. And uh, so my life was full of trauma from the time I was three years old.
1: And it was... (laughs) it was a constant ongoing nightmare so did that put like a <clears> sense of um did that put a sense of guilt on you or like or, or were you uh, I, would, I would imagine that experiencing that cuz I, I, I think both Ben and I can relate with as far as like I can relate with you a little bit as far as that trauma experiencing that m- my background with my mom and dad you know they they made they made it through their marriage they held on yeah. but it was not a uh it was not a smooth ride by any yeah. means and uh, I have some early childhood memories of me and my mom having to go take my dad out of a bar at you know at yeah. about four or five years old, and yeah. you know, trying to pull him out and trying to get uh, talk some sense into him. And um, you know it's like, you know, it, it, and it's funny because I can remember as a little kid just knowing that this is wrong. Yeah, this is wrong. And I would imagine that you had the same sense as far as like you knew <clears throat> this was wrong, but you know it's like. It, 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 when you're you're young, and you know, I find myself with my kids, they're trying. Their words are limited based on their feelings. Yeah, they may be feeling something, but because they have a limit on their words, they're not. They don't know how to describe they it. Can't,
2: they, they can't express themselves. Mm-hmm.
1: So in a way that
2: uh, most people could understand, you as a parent can see what they're going through a parent who loves their children um, can see without the child saying anything, can see it in their face. The difference is, in my case, because my parents blamed me for the divorce, neither one of them particularly liked me. Mm -hmm. They didn't throw me out with the bathwater. So that was good. But... They didn't particularly care for me. My sister was, quote, the model child. I was the model mistake. (laughs) So, I mean, I got in more trouble trying to do good. Um, People didn't understand my brilliant mind as a child. (laughs) (laughs) But the truth of the matter is, as a child, I knew what was going on wasn't right. I knew it wasn't right um, for my mom to live the way my mom was living. Uh, my dad was living a Christian life. From uh, he didn't get saved until I was, uh, I guess I was three. He didn't trust Christ till then. Prior to that. Both my mom and dad drank heavy, fought each other. Um, My mom was um, part Indian, and when she drank, she became violent. Uh, My dad was just a violent person. And um, the remarkable truth is, God convicted my heart of my sin because of the Word of God. I heard the Word of God as a child. And being the kid that was always making mistakes and being the kid that always got in trouble made me know that I was wrong. <laughs> I, I don't like to admit that I was wrong. Uh, I would like to tell you that I was a perfect young boy, you know, who everybody really did like. Well, um, I would like to tell you that, but that ain't the truth. And so, the reality is, sin became prevalent. I knew of sin. I saw it. And I saw the results of sin from the experience with my parents, mm-hmm. I told my dad one time. I remembered him whipping me with a razor strap. My dad sat there for a moment; tears swelled up in his eyes. He says, "There's probably no reason in the world to whip a three-year-old with a razor strap, you know." But that was my dad. He's just a violent man.
1: He he said that to you. Sir? He said that to you? Yeah, as far as like, there's no yeah. reason? Okay. He,
2: he said there's probably no reason in the world to whip a three-year-old with a razor strap. And um, and you know what a razor strap is? I know. Okay. It's a wide piece of leather, about two and a half, three inches. No, it's more like four inches wide.
1: I was just going to Google it after. It's podcast. what, <laughs> well,
2: it, it, it's what a barbershop, uh, guys used to use to strop the straight edge with. Ah, okay, okay. And so uh, my dad used straight edge at that time and he used has a razor strap to strop the razor. So he said, probably no reason to whip the child. So I went through a lot of trauma as a little boy. And then, but that trauma made me come to realize that I was a sinner. Mm. <laughs> hearing the Word of God. So I trusted in Christ. And um, I lived the rest of that year with my dad, and then I went to live with a family in uh, south of Weatherford. Their names were McQueen's. And um, I spent the whole first year there. And we lived in with all the modern conveniences that anyone could want. You know, we had... Uh, the house was three rooms and a path, and uh, we went to, um, um, we'd go to church. They had electricity, that, and they had electricity at the school, but didn't have electricity at our house. And uh, so we, we used to kid, we'd only six miles from electricity, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so, but they were good people, and they were good to me, and they provided a place for me to stay, uh, they taught me how to chop corn. They taught me how to drive a team of horses they They taught me how to clean out a chicken yard they They taught me a lot of stuff you know but they 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 also when I brought my studies home from school
1: uh they'd help me with my studies so so during this time that you're living with this family i I'm assuming this is this is a uh, a solid marriage. Kids, wife,
2: no. Well, there's solid marriage, they're an older couple, uh huh. Their children already grown, and they just allowed this will sound harsh, but they allowed my dad to dump my sister and I on the dump.
1: Yeah, well, (laughs) and the reason I ask that because it's you know, nowadays that's very common, yeah, it's you know, which is a very unfortunate thing that we live in a society where um even within the christian community you know divorce is just it's just um
2: and children are disposable
1: right um and and then yeah even 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 anyways don't get me that down that trail um but at this time because what what year what year was it what age were you at this Uh, time
2: when i moved in with them i was six
1: six so this is i hadn't uh, started school Yes, yeah, so you look at you. it's like 1944, and then yeah. divorce, you know, abandoned kids. I mean, what, what what typically happened to kids in that time if they didn't have parents or a mom well, or dad?
2: Well, I don't know about all kids, but I do know that I went to, um, after I lived with them for a year, and by the way, I passed the first grade mm-hmm. with I mean, I, flying seas. It's, yes, My <laughs> <laughs> kind of people. Yes, very. Hey, I mean, hey, you know,
1: you you joke about that, but today's standards, you are probably be looking at straight A's. <laughs> <laughs> well, could be, but anyway, they. Uh,
2: but anyway, I, I spent the next summer between the first and second grade at Lena Pope Children's Home in Fort Worth. It's on Camp Bowie at the time. It is a big dormitory thing boys slept in one dormitory and in the, the other building had the girls dormitory and um, there were a lot of kids there in the same or a similar situation <clears throat> not all of them because of some of them were there because both parents had died some of them were there because one parent was had died and the mom could not support the children, so they were there to, uh, until the mom could get back on her feet, and they'd stay there for a year or so. Most of them were temporary. Um, today, Lena Pope uh, Children's Home is still going in Fort Worth, and today, they, sometimes they keep kids uh, most of their life and until they get out of high school the The truth is, today's society is much more. As I mentioned a moment into the thing, well, we can just dump this kid someplace, you know. Um, it, that's tragic.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, it, it's sad. Even, uh, I'm I'm Choctaw, and so, in in Oklahoma, there is an issue too of. Children, having children, and dumping the kids on the parents, on the grandparents, the children's grandparents, and going off. And sometimes not coming back until the kid's six, seven years old. They don't really know their mom. They don't know their dad. Uh, that's, that's, That's an issue that the chief of the Choctaws is working on big time to try to correct that teach kids not to have kids, number one, and then teach them, if they do have children, be grown up enough to, to raise the kid, you know. So, you know, that just, uh, but in, in, in my day, that was, it was so abnormal that sometimes people would ask me, who do you like the most, your mom or your dad? I'd look at them like a calf staring at a new gate. <laughs> I mean, who makes a decision like that? You know you just don't do that. You love your parents i I knew this is not a, a childish thing, but my sister admitted this. I knew my parents liked my sister more than they liked me, but that didn't change my love for my parents. I love my dad, love my mom um. It was the kind of thing where they didn't have to love me for me to love them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, uh, but nonetheless, I lived in a children's home for a while, I moved in, and I had a, a, a pair of kind of ragged summertime, but I still had some jeans that I'd worn through the winter. And, uh, but most of the clothes I had were short pants. And I didn't like them. <laughs> I just, you know, kid. So <laughs> when when it came time to leave, they said, go get your things. Well, I went and got a box and put like three pair of jeans in there that fit me and four or five shirts that fit me out of a, a chest of drawers that had everybody's clothes in it. You just, you know. And so <laughs> they said, is that all you had? I said that's all. Oh wow! <laughs> I didn't. I didn't want those short pants. <laughs> mm-hmm. So anyhow, um, moved from there to live with a family in in uh, uh, Hillsboro, Hillsboro, Texas, down south of Fort Worth, about thirty some miles. And I lived with them for uh, what was left of the summer. Started second grade there. And uh, they were good people. We lived right next, right next to the railroad track there, and the troop trains would stop there to get water and oil, and so the guys would get off the train, and we just speak to them. They couldn't walk away from the train; they had to stay right there, close to the train. But we'd speak to them and talk to them. Now, and was this
0: for the the? Rebel soldiers or the Union soldiers during the Civil War?
2: You <laughs> just after the Civil War? Oh, okay, <laughs>
0: okay. got <Gotcha>. you. <laughs> yeah,
2: it a little later is during the Second World War. Oh, okay, yeah. got gotcha. you. Yeah, that war. I'm not good uh, at
0: math. Yeah, well, <laughs> numbers are hard. There's a, <clears throat> the
1: Civil War still going on? <laughs> no. <laughs> so, well. In Mexico at that time, there was a civil war going on. That's that's why I it. The
0: 1940s? Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah. So we had. I don't our, know anything.
1: I don't know anything about <laughs> your country. <laughs> <laughs>
2: and uh, then I moved to live with my mom around Christmas time, uh, just after Christmas. It's easier for me to move for my mom to take my sister and I after Christmas. That way, I didn't have to worry about the Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> you
1: Gotcha, you gotcha. So. So at, at this point, you you live with your parent. You live with your dad for a short period of time. Yeah, and then you at this point you've bounced around from two different homes. Yeah. is that correct? And now now you're going into living with with your mom. Yeah. What age What age were you at this? Um, I was in second grade. I was eight years, eight old. years old at yeah. the second grade. Now um, had you did you have contact with your mom in between this period? No.
2: But my mom and dad stayed in contact. So what it was a thing where my dad was moving; he moved to Illinois, and uh, he said, "You need to go get the kids." And, you know, I mean, that's just about what it amounted to. Mm.
1: So, what was the what was the what was the last time you had seen her? How long had it been since you had It'd seen been,
2: her? It'd um, been
1: close to three years. Three years, and do you have yeah. memories of, of, of like yeah. her as a, as oh, a young? Yeah. Like, what's your earliest memory that you can remember of her? well i mentioned earlier my
2: earliest memories was my mom and dad fighting got you. Uh, that was that was and, a three years old yeah but but then i um uh, i remembered uh during uh, my dad they separated my dad moved out of town and um I lived with my mom for about a year and a half mm-hmm. and so uh i i had we lived in the same house. Ironically, I remember the address of that house. <laughs> so, but we lived in South Tulsa. Mm-hmm. And uh, they had uh, a thing where... Uh, th- th- this doesn't sound complimentary to my mom, and I love my mom, but having to take care of two children put a damper on her lifestyle. And, I mean, mom was an exceptional, when my parents were together, I can remember, before my mom went to work in the bomber plant, I can remember my mom baking bread, mm. fixing the meals, I remember the smell. Um, I go by a bakery today, <laughs> And my mind immediately goes back to when I was a very small child and remember my mom, the smell of fresh-baked bread. She, homemade bread. And um, so I have that memories of her. Um, I had a thing, too, where... um, There's a thing, too, where I unless the weather was bad, I had to stay outside. You know, mm-hmm. didn't want to be bothered.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: My sister and my mom got along exceedingly well. Uh, but um, I, uh, I visited with our dog a whole lot. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the dog liked me. That's really good. Did. Yeah. That's a good dog. Yeah. Oh, it was a smart <laughs> dog. Very smart dog.
0: <laughs>
1: so before you went to move, to the, when, before you went to live with your mom, how was the news? How, how did you? How was the news given to you? Hey, you're getting ready to move. You're going to go be living with your mom. Do you remember that experience? Your mom her? showed up. <laughs> what? What was the? What emotions went through you when you when that happened? Were you excited was, to see her? Were you? I was just glad to see her.
2: Yeah, I knew who she was. Yeah, uh, very close to, uh, at, you know from my viewpoint, it was like. You're here, great, mm-hmm. wonderful. I'm so glad to see you. Mm-hmm. You know. And, and like I said, I love my mom. Um, so it was a thing where uh, my mom kept me and my sister and I for uh, that second half of the second grade for me. My sister was three years ahead of me. Mm-hmm. And um, so uh, we stayed with her. And then my sister went to live with our aunt, my dad's sister. And that aunt had raised my sister from the, I think, from the time she was six months old until she was two years old. They just took her. And uh, my parents were glad to let her go because it gave them freedom. Uh, But but my aunt really loved my sister. And uh, so took her, my aunt, ne- that aunt never had any children so is a thing where they just they took care of her mm-hmm. and uh, but anyway <clears throat> at the end of that school year my sister went to live with my aunt and uh, then they I went to um, live with my dad up in Illinois but I got there and uh, my dad uh, and my mom, at that point, they were, um, they were fairly con- considerate of each other. They, you know, they, we got to work through this thing together, you know, for, to shuffle the kids off, you know. So anyhow, <clears throat> I moved in with my dad, but I didn't move in with my dad. <laughs> he had a place for me to live out in the country. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
2: oh, okay, <laughs> because he lived in a, in a rooming house that wouldn't allow children so there's a family out in the country that agreed to take me and i stayed with them and started the third grade with them but i helped them in the harvest i found out at that point they put me on a grain truck I found out you can drown in grain. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, uh, uh, I mean, I'd I'd shuffle the grain grain around, move it around in in the truck, but when it got deep, I got on the side and shoveled from the side. <laughs> Kept one foot on the rail. Yeah. Uh, but by the same token, lived with them for a while and then moved to live with another family for a few months. No, probably six weeks. And then my my dad bought a a house trailer, and I lived with him.
1: And this is all in Illinois. Correct? All in Illinois. So I'm a three, lot colder weather than uh, than Texas. So
2: truthfully, three of the hardest years of my life was one winter in Rockford, Illinois. Uh,
1: <laughs> <through
2: the heart. laughs> yeah. We had we had a the house trailer didn't have indoor plumbing. Uh huh. So we had a common shower, common bath, common restroom. Very, there's only one trailer in that place that had indoor plumbing. Everybody else used this common restroom. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, when it's 20 below zero and you run into the restroom, you really trot quickly. <laughs> and so uh, you get. it was kind of warm in there, you know. The boiler was in there. So, but I spent the third grade, finished the third grade there, and then um, at that point, I don't know, along about the spring of the year, my dad had to go to Virginia, and uh, so I spent about 10 days by myself. And, but I could cook, and I could take care of myself, and I had a job at the grocery store, so I had money.
1: This is third grade?
2: Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> and uh, does that make you like nine? Yeah. Ten? Something like that. Okay. I was nine. Uh, probably going on a mental age of about four, but even, no. I just, seriously, I probably was ahead of my myself. You know, from the standpoint of maturity. Uh, the maturity factor in my life came early because of necessity and uh in fact when i turned 40 i said to my wife can you believe i made it to be 40. she said tom you've been 40 for the last 20 years (laughs) And i thought well boy that's a compliment but what she was saying is and she explained it she said the truth of the matter is we never separated because you were so mature when we married and uh so you know it was she saw that
0: that's a good compliment well i, I
1: can only imagine that because I'm, I'm i'm listening to your story and you know my childhood was not the most uh it wasn't the greatest childhood i'm the i'm the i'm the oldest of six in my family and between me and my sister there's a six year difference and then all my siblings it's my next brother's nine years and then 12 15 17 years difference and um Just from the experiences that I had as a child, it had, it, it it made me to grow up a lot faster. Correct. And my one thing, uh, a safety mechanism that I had to imply implemented myself was to grow very callous to my feelings, to not allow my feelings to control me Mm -hmm. and dictate me. Because when you are in a state of survival, if you are relying on your feelings, you know, you're going to die. Yeah. You're going to die. So you have to be very in tune as far as what facts, and yes. what's actually happening absolutely, to actually survive. So I'm listening to your story and I'm thinking, I'm like, man, you, um, if you were to compare you at nine years old and the nine year old today, it's, it's, you, 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 there's a mile long difference. Oh, yeah. You know, it's, you you'd probably be talking to, uh, an adult in our, in our standards now, you know, yeah. um, one of the issues that we're having now in this in society is that you know Ben and I were part of the millennium generation and one of the um uh, jokes but it's not really a joke cuz it's a, unfortunately it's very true is that how a lot of millennials are still living with their parents you yeah. know it's uh they haven't moved out and it's like but for you you know you've been on your own and uh but one question I keep uh, I I I, I I've been meaning to ask you about this so during this period you know your your father was present. Your dad was present. You know, you knew about him. Yeah. You know, but you didn't. It doesn't really sound like you had a relationship with either your mom or your dad. No. Um, during this during this these developing years, who do you consider your father to be? Or well, your, the irony is,
2: <clears throat> in your situation, you look for survival. The irony is, in, in my life, what I did is listen. And I listened to people, and I saw reactions. So my way of survival was try not to do the wrong thing and try to survive. Um, I knew that there was no, there was no, quote, home to go to there was no place for me. So I had to do the best I could, get along with whoever I was living with in an effort to have a place to stay. And for me it was to have food to eat. <laughs> you know, that was probably more important than having a roof over my head. But but truthfully, um, like the ten days I stayed by myself, um how old were you when this happened? I, I was nine. Okay. And the thing about it is people asked me, if I "Was afraid?" I said, "No, I wasn't. I wasn't scared." The only thing that bothered me was the spring of the years when gypsies came out of Chicago and they'd come through trader parks and go into people's houses, you know, to help them with their
1: Belongings.
0: Yeah. Well, they'd
2: help relieve them of their belongings, but they would. And, you know, I had the only thing I really had was a train set and a radio. So
0: <laughs> I didn't want anybody to get my train set. But we would call that mandatory donations to the needy. <laughs> yes. Well, what the,
2: what that really is. is but that's. <clears throat> that's or your, theft in a court of law. It depends yeah. on who you ask. It depends on who you ask. Uh, but. They, they were notorious for doing that. And at that time, this is, you know, 40s, late 40s. And so, I uh, I was afraid of them coming coming through. I didn't know how I was gonna keep them from coming in the house. I didn't realize, you didn't you just don't answer the door. <laughs> no, but, <laughs> at, you know, at that age, that, 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 that didn't hit me. Yeah. So, uh, but that's the only thing that bothered me as far as cooking, I cook for myself and I took care of myself, and there wasn't a problem. Um, Now, I had uh, some people in the trailer park that would, uh, one family uh, sent their children over one day to see if I was okay, because I hadn't been out that particular day, but I'd been, didn't feel bad, I just, or wasn't sick, I just didn't feel like getting out. And uh, so I mean it's like a Saturday or something. Uh, I didn't work at the store except five days a week and so little convenience store that's close right next to the trailer park is a they call it the boat, it's built like a boat. And so but anyhow other than that, you know, I was fine. I didn't didn't worry about that. As long as there's food. And uh, they didn't drag the trailer off. Well, I was fine. And so, but the strange thing about it is um, other people thought it, you know, odd that I stayed by myself. To me, it's okay. You know, I didn't find anything wrong with it. I just did it. And I know, uh, of course, my mom was always critical of my dad, and she heard about it, and she made a big issue of it. I said, Mom, I made it. You know, <laughs> that's, that's all I could say. I couldn't argue with my mom. I, mean, I didn't like her to criticize my dad, and I didn't like my dad to criticize my mom. Mm-hmm. But um, be that as it may is the thing where I finished the year there, and uh, my mom and a fellow she was married to came and got me. Um and went back to Tulsa, stayed with my mom and uh, her husband, and my sister came back to Tulsa also. She rode the bus from Arizona uh, back to Tulsa, 12 year old girl <laughs> riding the bus by herself. but uh, anyhow, and she's as brave as she could be, but anyway, uh, we lived with them for a while. Lived in a surplus Red Cross Army tent. <laughs> mm. <laughs> it's a hospital tent, and but it's big as two poles. Yeah. So, uh, it it was a, a large space. I told my granddaughter lived with me for a while, and I told her that uh, we made an effort to keep that floor just linoleum, old pieces of linoleum over sand. We made an effort to keep that cl- cleaner <laughs> than she made an effort to clean. But the truth of the matter is go down to the creek and take a bath and uh, stayed there. Then moved over to um, Stillwater, Oklahoma. Stayed there a few months. With my mom, and he he was a uh, 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 forgotten what you call metalsmith. He made air conditioner ducts and that kind of stuff, and so lived over there for a while, and then moved back to Tulsa and started fourth grade, and uh, then about I don't know long about. October, November. My dad came through, and so I don't know. There's some words, but he took us, and uh, my sister and I live with my dad uh, through. For me, it was the fourth grade in Denison, Texas. We went to um, a school. It's called Golden Rule School, and. Uh, we lived there and finished school. I uh, I was very close to the teacher, about a foot away from her most of the time. She used a ruler quite often.
0: Hmm. <laughs> <And so laughs> she just wanted to let you know she was still there. Yes. That's all it was.
2: <laughs> Wasn't that I was a bad kid. It's just no. that she wanted to show me how to use yeah. a ruler. Yeah. <laughs> <And> so. <laughs> But, you know, it was <clears throat> one of those things. And uh, then uh, moved from there to, to Florida, again, living with my dad. And uh, lived in Florida for about a year. And uh, Alabama first. I stayed with family in Alabama. They, they, they were neat people. And uh, I, for the sake of me, I've lost their name. But stayed with them. And they had a boy that was about a year older than me, and then they had two older boys. So four of us slept in the bed. Two smaller ones slept at the foot of the bed. The big boys got the head of the bed. <laughs> they got the pillow. But, <laughs> no, know, <laughs> we had pillows. But um, I stayed with them. And, and you know, it's back in a time when uh, you stay out in the field all day. I learned to skin poles there, and uh, we... Did other work on the farm, uh, you know. It's the thing you go out early to milk, and you know it's going to be a rough morning when you stepped in something warm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so, but <clears throat> and they were very nice people. They live. They let me live with them for most of that summer, and then uh, we moved to, down to Pensacola. And lived in Pensacola for a while, or most of the third grade, for me it's third grade, and then after that I um, moved back to Tulsa, and uh, after I lived with my dad for a while in Tulsa, then my um, I lived with my mom. She she lived in Tulsa too, and. Uh, my dad moved. I don't really know where he moved to then f- until later I found out he's in Houston. But he moved and I lived, lived with my mom, finished out the sixth grade there, and then through a chain of events, I moved to Arizona to live with this aunt that took care of my sister so much. She is already out there. My sister was, and so moved to Arizona with them, and uh, I learned to hang sheetrock out there.
1: Uh-huh.
2: And uh, I I went by a place a guy was building a house, and he was kind of struggling to get some some rock on back in Arizona at that time. they was using rock lath; was sheetrock had holes in it. And it was hard to get up to the ceiling, and he was struggling with a dead man. So I just helped him, mm-hmm. and I helped him the rest of the day. He said, you make a pretty good hand. You want to come back tomorrow? I said, yeah. So he just, paid Just
0: them. for the clarification of our listeners, a dead man is not a person who is actually dead. Yeah. Because <laughs> that would be hard to work with a dead anybody. Yeah. Well, you know. <laughs> a dead not, man is don't a tool. <laughs> for, is a nickname for a tool that helps you put sheetrock that's, up. That's it. Okay. Yeah. No, I'm but, sorry. It would be a more interesting story (laughs) if there was an actual (laughs) dead person. (laughs) it was
2: just uh, a a stick with a a two-by-four with a two-by-four nailed to the top of it and used it on the end to raise
0: sheetrock. (coughs) But but he paid you. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) How
2: how old were you at this time? I was 12. 12 years old. And uh, so I learned to hang sheetrock. And, uh, man, he he was glad to have me, you know, because... I worked cheap, number one. Yeah. But then I did the work, and uh, I learned to hang sheetrock. Learned to. We put up rafters. I mean, we we did the stuff that needed to be done, and the the rafters we put up, he already had the see the the roof on it. <coughs> the rafters that we cut were for a porch that they were building. Uh huh
1: to to fit the house so let's let's uh pause for a second because you're 12 years old you're hanging sheetrock before this you're living in illinois you're working at a convenience store mm-hmm. right And well so at at 12 years old how many jobs have you had
2: oh i just just working in field and and the one that you um, you 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 worked in the field you picked yeah was it cotton or were you, where were you picking well i picked cotton in alabama yeah uh-huh. But a picked late cotton is $0.03 cents a pound. Yeah. Uh, but um, I, while I was in Tulsa, I worked at... Uh, you, back then, you couldn't get a Social Security card until you are 12. Uh-huh. So I worked at um, Tulsa Oil and Gas Journal. Uh, at what age? At, as 12. 12 years old. Uh, and I, uh, what they wound up having me do... Was take the the raw magazine? Is a magazine put out for the oil and gas industry? It is about the size of um, National Geographic, and hmm. slick paper, four color. I mean, it's beautifully produced work. And uh, they had it come off, and it had all the the material overlap material, and they put it through a cutter. That you, they had a man that, that stacked it and then he hit the, or the other fella hit the cutter and then I got it off of there and moved it to another stack, the trimmed material. And at 12 years old, I did that all day long. Oh, wow. Yeah, so, like, so. Now we're talking 10, 12 hours. Yeah, so by yeah. 12
1: years old, you've gained more life skills. And more experienced than the average thirty-year-old today.
2: Perhaps, but you understand they didn't. <clears throat> My parents nor anybody I lived with believed
1: in anything like an allowance. I had, if I was going to have money, I had to work. Yeah, but you know, it's 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 amazing. I'm hearing your story, and one thing that intrigues me is just, it's, I just find it so fascinating. It's it's, um. There was provision; it was based off work. You had to work for it, yeah. Um, and you were busy; you yeah. were you are a busy young man. You you didn't you didn't have time to be depressed. Well, <laughs> you know, you know <laughs> the, the truth of the
2: matter was, I I was not privileged to feel sorry for myself. Yeah, I, I mean, it's something there wasn't time for, and there was not any space for it's just
1: the way life was because i'm hearing i'm hearing you and you know all these families are working with and um and, and the the man that you're working with hanging the sheetrock um i've worked with younger men as far as like whenever we're doing housework and stuff like that and there is an attitude that's required for doing manual labor yeah you know it's it's a it's a it's a well, eyes wide open and a, and a closed mouth. Yes, closed <laughs> mouth, and all
2: I want to see is top of your head nail bolts.
1: But uh, you yes, know, sir. I remember working with my dad, and he's a plumber by trade, and he would get so mad at me because you know I'd be looking and trying. But he wanted me to be he wanted me to be so attentive and watch exactly what he was doing and yes. anticipate his next move and be ready with the tool. Right. He never actually uh, clarified that 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 does that man. I didn't realize this until I was much older. I was like, "Oh, that's what he wanted." If he would have told me that, I would have done that. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, not uh, yeah.
2: This this guy did explain a lot, and he uh-huh. told me what to do, and then I was hanging at rock lath on the ceiling by myself, mm-hmm. but I was using two dead men. <laughs> yeah. I've, I, you know, I. I Put a sheetrock up and the dead man up against it, and then take the other and raise it up to the back and then start nailing it. Um, you know, I just, I didn't use a heavy hammer, I used, you know, just 16 ounces. Mm. But, um,
1: just 16 ounces. Well, you but, but yeah, that's
2: about all I could handle. Yeah. I, was, I was small at 12. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> well, I you, also helped a guy lay later, um, that Towel. Yeah and now that was hard work the mud throwing mud and mixing the mud getting it right and then so one day they asked me tom you think you could lay an interior wall dad needs that wall laid and this building their house i said yeah of course it wasn't professional mm-hmm. but an interior wall you just put mud on it and cover up the flaws you know and I have uh, one place where there's a little bit of a swell but you know <laughs> the cheap the labor was cheap on that I just yeah, did that you yeah know. uh so you, they couldn't complain but actually the fellas came in that afternoon and uh he told he told his son he said I can't believe you boys did that and his son says Tom did most of it. He's the one that laid the block. Where it's off, he laid it. <laughs> <laughs> so I mixed the mud and I brought the blocks to him. <laughs> <You know? laughs> but interior walls, you know, just four inch walls. So, but it did, you know, just, I watched him do it. So I did it.
1: Well, you know, one of the things that I keep on thinking about and just hearing your story and then, um, the biggest thing, one of the biggest things that is affecting our society right now as far as with men is that um, we don't really have a purpose. A lot of men are, you know, they're still in their 30s, um, going later in life, and they're still trying to figure out their purpose. And one thing that I realized is as far as a man, you got to be able to work with your hands. You know, yeah. God gave us God gave us hands for reasons yes. to use them. Um, and it's, it's just fascinating to hear your story that, yes, you know, you're... you're your earthly parents were not present for most part of your life but it's, it's just fascinating to hear your story and to see if you step back and look how god was providing for your oh, for you see the
2: remarkable thing and and i thought about this at the time and then to be honest with you i didn't think about it at times but there were times that i thought lord that's remarkable that guy would hire me, mm-hmm. you know, or it's remarkable that they would let me set lay that wall, you know, and um, learn to do that. And and I'd, and I'd look back at sometimes at night, and I'd think, God, you've been with me all day, mm-hmm. you know, the very reason I didn't fall off a ladder, the very reason I didn't. Um, Drop a sledgehammer on my foot, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, God was with me, mm-hmm. and, and God actually assisted me. If if that's a proper assessment for some people to understand, uh, gave me the presence of mind to say, "I can do this. I can. If He can do it, I can do it." You know that that was. That was my mindset. Uh, I did not, and, and you realize most of this was out of necessity. Uh, they said, you know, necessity is mother of invention. Well, uh, with me, it, it, it was just out of necessity. If I was going to have some funds, uh, I could, in Arizona, I could dig stickers, you know, these huge stickers patch, you can take a flat sp- uh, um, hole and like a skinning pole and dig your stickers out, but they didn't pay much for that. Mm-hmm. You know, I could make a dollar an hour helping the guy with carpentry as opposed to maybe I'll give you two dollars to clean this field out, you know, <laughs> which is an all day job, and, uh, plus some. Uh, so my working experience was, was out of necessity. And yet God gave me the wisdom. I don't know a whole lot. I know a little bit about a whole lot. I just don't know a whole lot. <laughs> so God gave me the wisdom to watch somebody do it and then duplicate it.
1: Well, and then to talk about your work ethic. Because that's something, how, how? I mean, that's something that, it sounds like you had to develop out of necessity. It was almost like a safety mechanism to have a strong work ethic, a hard work ethic. It uh,
2: it began when I was six years old. My daddy bought me a very, very high dollar, probably the cheapest hatchet he could find <laughs> that would not hold an edge very well. And when he cut a tree down for firewood, yeah. it's my job to trim the tree. Uh-huh. And one day I told him, just quite bluntly, "Daddy, it is cold." He said, "You get out here and start using a hatchet, or I'll warm your britches up." So my work ethic began with a very secure threat. <laughs> it was going to happen if I didn't do it. And then it wasn't long before I realized, you know, you start cutting wood, you get you get warm, you can take your coat off, but The truth is, it started then. It started out of necessity. And um, it's my job to keep kindling cut. And I told that to a fellow in the church one day that I had a hatchet and cut kindling at six years old. He said I wouldn't let my six-year-old loose with a hatchet for love or money, (laughs) you know. But anyway, but it was a thing where don't you cut yourself, I'll give you a whipping
0: yeah Yeah. i'm serious yeah, no, no, yeah. you know
2: it didn't matter cut your toe off i'm still gonna whip you yeah <laughs> you know better not hurt yourself <laughs> yeah so uh but that's just the way it was so that's where the work ethic began and um uh, it, it began not because my daddy was trying to teach me something it began because i needed to help i was six years old i was big enough to help so i did and um. Uh, then we, so, it, I mean, it began there and, and continued on. Uh, and I found out if I'm going to have any spending money, i got to work.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: There in Arizona, um, when racing season came around, I went to the track with my aunt and uncle. My uncle was a great gambler. He did his best to support the racetrack. He, <laughs> <laughs> I mean he, he worked all week long to support the racetrack. <clears throat> and uh well, But somebody had to do it. Somebody has to <laughs> sacrifice. Absolutely. Not everybody can be a winner. But uh, no, he they let me live with them, so I, I always appreciate them. But then I started um walking horses after the races. And back then I like I said, I was, by racing season I was I was 13 and um, they didn't particularly care they it didn't bother anybody they built a new track and they got a little more stringent but the uh, the funny thing is that <clears throat> I'd go out there and ask you and say mr you want me to walk your horse and walk a horse for 30 40 minutes you know sometimes they'd give you a couple of dollars sometimes they would give you five dollars you know just which a lot of money back in the 50s. Yeah. So um, I did that, and then we moved up north on north in Tucson, North First Avenue, which is right across the river from the racetrack, and there were horse barns there, and I learned the muck stalls.
1: And this is so. This is when you're 13 years old. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's let's do this. Let's take a quick pause, and then we'll 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 come back, and then we'll start talking about your teenage years, because I want to go into that as far as like uh, what how, how 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 did you develop in your teenage years? Um, so with that being said, guys, we want to thank everybody for listening to a Mexican Redneck Father of the World. We love you, and we're
0: proud. Mexican of the World.